Hello, everyone. This is Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Join us as we reveal how you can become the master of your reality. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets. Dr. Kirk Elliott, we're going to talk about the economic uh, you know, forecast, what's going on. Uh, Silver did a little back and forth this week. Uh, it's it's kind of like where it started, I think, at the beginning of the week. It was down, it's up, it was up big today. Uh, I think $25 is kind of like a threshold, and it's it's building building up to that. It's building a nice foundation. I think it, once it hits $25, it's going to rock it. Yeah, I mean, that's technical chartist. I was just talking to one yesterday, and I'm not a technical guy, right? Everyone who's heard me for a while knows that fundamentals for me always drive everything. The inflationary pressures, the interest rates, but the technicals tell us when it's a good, really good time to get in, right? And so, so like when you and I talked a while back about the $18 threshold, technically speaking, great time to get in because of so many fundamental reasons, right? It was 18 was, is the support line that goes back decades. 18 is relatively what it costs to get silver out of the earth. So of course, miners aren't going to mine it, keep mining it much less than that. So that has a built-in automatic floor for silver, right? So because where companies can go out of business and go to zero, silver can't. Silver can't really go go below its floor of what it costs to get it out of the earth or else miners stop producing it. When miners stop producing it, there's no supply and the price shoots up, right? So so it's 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 interesting where we're at. But right now, technically, what's called is a cup and handle formation. And that's at the 25 level. And I'm again, I'm not a technical trader. So but but everyone who who looks at technical say, oh, my word, this could be the propellant to move it to six hundred dollars an ounce. It's like it's a big number. Right. But I'd be happy with it going from 75 to 100, which, by the way, the the miners. So this is this is where we start to look at, is it a good time to buy or is it a bad time to buy, right? It's an awesome time to buy because I've been talking for over a year how I think silver is going to hit 75 to $100 an ounce. Well, yesterday, the 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 mines, you know, the, the gold miners, the silver miners, they have economists that look and say, where are the metals headed? Because the miners need to know if they should actually cut down production or increase it. Because if they think prices are coming down, they're going to want to decrease their production, right? They're, they're not going to want to have inventory to sell at lower prices. So here's what the economists are saying that, that, are, that are interjecting into the mining community is by January of 2024, they're expecting $53 an ounce. By January of 2025, they're expecting $75.33 an ounce. Okay, so... 12 months from now, they're expecting over 50. That's doubling in one year. By January of 2025, which is two years from now, they're expecting to go up another 50% from that point to 75. These numbers aren't too far off of the ones that I've been saying for a year, yeah. 75 to 100 between a year and a year and a half. Now, the, the miners, economists, and, and what they look at in that industry is in the same ballpark. 50, you know, over $50 an ounce, 12 months from now, $75 an ounce, 24 months from now. It's like, good grief. Everywhere you look, 
the the prices look to be going up. But then we look at the fundamentals. Why <laughs> are they going up? Right. Well, well, we're we're watching we're watching the stupid news um, and and the the misinformation coming from the economic numbers. So so I, I was watching the economic news today. Strong jobs report, right? So they're, 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 they're all, all the mainstream media saying, "Oh, it's a strong jobs report." Full-time workers, you know, down one thousand, but part-time workers up six hundred and seventy-nine thousand jobs. It's like, wait a second, this is not strong. So when when full-time workers are decreasing by a thousand, but part-time workers are going up, that is not sign of strength. That's sign of McDonald's workers or or Chick-fil-A workers, right? It's like, this is not science. What we're looking for is engineering jobs, accounting jobs, you right. know, manufacturing jobs, full-time jobs. But they're looking at that raw number and say, okay, 679,000 part-time workers up minus 1,000 on full-time workers. So that's 678,000 new jobs created, but they're like all part-time full-time time jobs are coming down. This is why we're getting a widening wage gap, right? So so when you look at a, the charts, right? So looking at this, I, I want to look at, at housing prices because the housing prices as of late have been falling off the face of the planet. Right. And I just saw a chart and I, and I wish we could kind of look at it, but I can explain it just as easy as we can look at it. So Imagine a chart of incomes, right? People's income that, that goes up. And then you have a chart of housing prices, right? So housing prices are way above the income line, like way above. So they correct. The housing prices have to come down and they have to come down. And then housing doesn't actually start to go up again until the housing prices meet the income line, right? So so we're so far above the income line now and the prices are ha are starting to come down. It will keep coming down until housing prices equal income and then it starts to go back up again. So where is that number? It's another 37% decline at minimum in housing prices before housing prices equal the income line. So we're looking at another 37 to 40% decrease in housing prices just to meet historical averages of when, when housing prices go up and when housing prices come down, right? Well, they're coming down because they're so far above people's income. And it's not that people's incomes, Michael, are increasing. They're actually decreasing. Wages are decreasing in light of the inflationary pressures. So this is a problem. We've got this going on in 2023. And as I kind of look at it, I see 2022 as bad as it was, you know, economically, everything, NASDAQ coming down 33%, S&P down about 20%, but silver going up, gold going up, right? It's like, this is almost like the table was just being set for 2020. 2023 is when the guests arrive, right? This is, so we, we've got things that are coming to the forefront in 2023, like central bank digital currency, like um, continually rising interest rates. Uh, you've got international conflict. All of this stuff is coming to the forefront. Look, the the GOP won the House. We have a majority in the House, and we can't even elect a House majority leader. It's like, what is going on in this world? Like, it's crazy, right? 
And so 2023 is going to be a year of, of upheaval, even more than what we've already seen as inflationary pressures persist. But here's a big, huge story that, that I, I just was reading this morning and did some research on it. And, and I want to share it on, on your show first. I mean, this is, this is big and it has to do with the FDIC. Because we've been talking a lot over the last year, Michael, on our on when we talk about our economics on the show, yep. how banks are running out of liquidity. Mm-hmm. How they don't have much in, and now they're raising rates. So let's add this together. You've got banks that have no liquidity. Why don't they have liquidity? Couple of reasons. Number one is in in July of last year. They did a reverse repo mechanism where the Fed took two and a half trillion dollars of liquidity out of the banking system. Number two, they actually lowered the reserve requirement to zero. Okay, so the reserve requirement is the amount of money that a bank has on hand at any given moment. You know, so if you contribute a hundred dollars to your checking account, you deposit a hundred bucks into your checking account. They, if the reserve requirement were ten. They would lend out 90, they would keep 10 bucks back. Then of that 90, they would lend out 89, they would keep $9 back, right? That's fractional reserve banking. They always keep 10% back if the reserve requirement's 10. They brought it to zero, which means banks have zero on hand. Technically, they, don't, they have zero. So, so they're ripe for a bank run, right? Hmm. So if they have nothing on hand and there's some kind of a spark, some kind of a crisis where people want to pull their money out, it might not be there because technically rules from the Fed say that the banks don't have to keep anything on hand. Mm. Here's So check out this story. So in November of this year, and the minutes are now out from the FDIC minutes, the F, and this was, um, I, I I was reading through G. Edward Griffin, who wrote the book on Creature from Jekyll Island, right? He exposed nice. the Fed, right? So, so his website is Need to Know. He exposed this. And this is a very interesting story that everybody needs to know. Everybody needs to know this. So thanks to G. Edward Griffin for finding it. But the FDIC has a group, a subcommittee called the Systemic Resolution Advisory Committee, SRAC. So they held a meeting in November to discuss how the next market crash would occur. Okay, words have meanings, right? They didn't say if a market crash occurs, they said when the next market crash occurs and what steps would need to be taken to ensure not everybody tries pulling their money out of the financial system at the same time. So let's stop there. Market corrections occur they, these market crashes occur. We had one in 2000. We had one in 2009. We're probably going to have one this year, like a big one, right? So, so they're talking about it. One of the FDIC members noted that while institutions will soon be able to figure out the dire implications of a financial collapse, these are from their minutes, right? They're talking about how the financial institutions are going to figure this out in due time here. The general public should not. So they're saying, the, Fed, the, the public shouldn't know that these financial institutions are at risk and that there's a big crash coming. Don't tell them because that would lead to an unintended consequence. Okay, this is the FDIC's exact language. So 
The FDIC insures $9 trillion of bank deposits. Okay, that's all of our checking accounts, savings accounts, everything is $9 trillion. But how much do they have in assets to cover those $9 trillion? $125 billion is what they have. So they're only covering 1.7% of all bank deposits. See, this is a problem. This is a huge problem because the FDIC cannot ensure that everybody in a crisis that wants to withdraw their money can actually get it out now. This is why they don't want the public to know that they don't have enough assets to even cover 2% of, of all of the bank deposits. So if there were a run on the bank in banks in 2023, this is what would happen. It would be the mother of all quantitative easing injections. They would print, have to print like five, six, seven trillion dollars worth of capital to avoid a run on the banks and banks running out of money. Well, that would cause inflation so much that we wouldn't even know what to call it. I mean, it would be hyperinflation at that point because they already just spent $1.7 trillion that we don't have. They're gonna have to print that. So if there's a run on the bank, when banks have no liquidity, the reserve requirement zero, the FDIC only has 1.7% of all deposits covered. Of course, they don't want the public to know. Mm-hmm. And this is what they're saying. It's like. These bankers, they need to know how dire the situation is, but don't let the public know because we can't afford to run on the banks, right? So so this is, yeah, here's here's the article. I mean, this is an amazing article um, that, that he talks about in Need to Know that everybody should read this, this article. So- As It's so, interesting, he has an article in here. It says, trending, U.S. government paid Catholic charities $3 billion to traffic people across the U.S.-Mexico border. So I'm down here along the border right now. So some people are seeing some, uh, like, looks different from my normal uh, background. Uh, I'm in Tucson right now. I just went down to Nogales uh, and looked at the border. It looks good on the border, uh, but who knows what's going on in the, uh, you know, off off the where people come across the border because that, that's pretty locked down. Uh and uh, so we know there's lots of trafficking that have, they, they make a lot of money on trafficking, uh, the bad guy. And uh, so they're not going to they're they're Joe Biden, I guess, is going down there to El Paso area, which I just happen to be guided by God to come down here and do this. And, and lo and behold, I found out that Joe Biden is going to be where I'm going to be <laughs> in, in a couple of days. So uh, I don't know what that's all about. Uh, maybe it's just observe, you know, hold hold the energy. But. There's definitely some uh, some wrongdoing that goes on because we're seeing a massive, you know, uh, deep state operation, criminal activities goes all the way into the banking system, goes all the way into the as we're seeing the FBI, the CIA, um, you know, along the border, all the crazy stuff that happens along here. It's all funding this deep state. And Trump just said that when he's when he not elected, but when he becomes president, uh, who knows when that's going to be. Uh, he's going to make it uh, a capital offense and punishable by death for traffickers and so forth. So Biden comes down here right after he says that. So Biden has not come to the borders in his whole presidency yet. That's very interesting, right? Hello, this is Michael Jaco. If you want to learn more on how to unleash your own intuition, go to michaelkjaco.com, unleashingintuition.com, where you can find my courses on how to become the master of your own reality. I mean, 
this this is this is crazy and so so when you see all of that happening and the three billion dollars going to to fund trafficking at the border where you're at mm -hmm. that's okay where does those billions of dollars come from that comes from printing money out of thin air it's right. not like we're getting it from from tax revenue we're getting it from the printing presses right and so you you look at that you look at what the fdic is saying it's like what are they proposing next proposed bail-ins which is what we've been talking about as well it's like how do you so so a lot of my the people that call me say kirk i'm i'm concerned that they're going to confiscate gold like they did back in the early 1900s. It's like, no, they're not. They, they won't confiscate just gold. Gold, only 2% of the population owns gold. Only 0.9% owns silver. Silver's never been confiscated before ever. But that was a different time, a different place. Back then, gold was fungible. It was a currency, right? One ounce of gold equaled $20. You could go to the bank. You could go anywhere and use the same. So after the war... The U.S. was bankrupt. They had no money, right? It was an expensive war. And so, so Roosevelt said, hey, we're, we're issuing these war bonds. We want everybody to invest in the war bonds to bail out the government. Nobody wanted to. They wanted to keep their dollars. They wanted to keep their gold. So he said, fine, I'll force the issue. We're going to confiscate the gold, right? So that's why they did it. But, but now gold is not currency. Nixon closed off that window in the 70s. Now gold and silver are just investments like anything else. But only 2% of the population owns gold. Only 0.9% owns silver. If you're a politician, you're not going to waste your time on legislation that only affects 2% or 0.9% of the population. You're going to focus your legislation on the 98% of the masses that have bank accounts, savings accounts, brokerage accounts, right? That's done through a bail-in. This is what the FDIC also said in this memorandum is, I think it might be time for bail-ins. If FDIC, you know, goes belly up because there's a run on the banks, we're going to possibly maybe recommend bail-ins, right? It's like, which is what they did in Venezuela and Argentina and other countries. Just view that as a, as downright theft of your money, right? That's yeah. all the bail-in is. It's, it's like a 10% one-off tax. It's like, hey, Joe Schmo, you have $100,000 in your bank account. Tomorrow, you're going to have $90,000. We're doing a bail-in tax, right? That's what it is. So, so this is the world that we're living in. We're living in a world where governments have run out of money, where they've borrowed from different funds. They've borrowed from the Social Security Fund for decades. They've borrowed from the FDIC Fund for decades. It's severely underfunded. And we're at a point where banks because they wanted to stimulate the economy during COVID, said, we don't even have to hold any money back. We'll have a 0% reserve requirement. Lend out everything you possibly can. Try to stimulate this economy. Didn't work. Now they have nothing on hand. And FDIC is underfunded by a huge factor. And right, it's like, man, it doesn't take too much to have a run on the banks when there's no money in the banks. Yeah. And it I'm doesn't- sure There's a liquidity process all, uh, problem already. Uh, yeah. It's been happening for well over a year. Anyone that's tried to get uh, a sizable amount of money out of the bank, you know, have to make an appointment for two weeks out. So it's uh, it's it's already there for anyone to see that's uh, you know, gone into the bank trying to get some money. But yeah, it's 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 ridiculous because uh, they're not they don't have any money. They're running out of money. So how do they make money? They do it illegally. So that's why they're you know funding through the Catholic Church. They're money laundering through the Catholic Church to continue 
human trafficking, which is massively, uh, you know, profitable, uh, obviously, because they're continuing that. They stopped the border wall and they're continuing the human trafficking. It's, it's all in the news. Everybody knows about it. But the, the government is like, no, it just there's no problems down there. Why do I need to go down there? There's nothing going on down there. Uh, millions and millions of people, meanwhile, are pouring across the border. I didn't see them in Nogales, but they are coming across. There's lots of, uh, you know, agencies are reporting it. So it's amazing. They're flying them all over the country. Uh, it's obviously some kind of profitable or, uh, outcome from that. And they're using our taxpayer money to fund that. And somebody's making a profit off that. It should be happening anyway, but somebody's profiting off that. That's why it's continuing. Yeah. That's exactly why. That's why everything continues because there's money involved. <laughs> right. And that's why we want to go into silver because <laughs> at some point, this system, as we're exposing it right here, right now, uh, enough people uh, get involved with uh, collapsing that system. Uh, and, you know, everybody runs for silver and gold and we're holding tons of it. So it's, uh, yeah. it's a good thing. Now, uh, interesting thing that, you know, you brought up the last time. Uh, that we had had the show is that anyone in the world, anyone anywhere in the world can invest uh, with the, your company and uh, and hold gold in the U.S. Uh, as long as they hold gold in the U.S., you can't ship gold and silver overseas, but you can in the U.S. But one one thing that people can profit from uh, is to have gold in a secure, safe place that's been there for decades now, and you've been involved with them. Uh, so it's uh, it's, it's I've, I've got tons of stuff with you and I know a lot of people that I, that I've, uh, you know, sent your way, have a lot of stuff with you. So it's, it's very, it's very smart, very, very much the way to go. I'm very happy with it. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. And not all depositories are created equal. What you have to look for is one that has singular ownership, meaning you're the only one that has a right to a claim to the asset. It's not a joint ownership where they're selling the same hundred ounce bar of silver over and over and over and over again. Right. Because when it comes time for liquidity, you might not have it unless you're the first person in line that says, hey, I want my stuff. So so this is why we use the depositories that we use. I've vetted them. I've used them for decades. And it's just simply safe or else I wouldn't have my own assets there. So, so for people internationally, though, when you can't ship, A, because it might be illegal or B, because the value added tax to ship it internationally is so high, it doesn't make sense mm -hmm. that storing it here domestically is something that we can do because I, I literally do have international clients all over the world, right? And and I've had them for decades mm. and we just store their metals at the depository. When it's time to lock in profits, it's simple. It's just a phone call like to anybody else. Hey, uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Client in Australia, <laughs> it's time to lock in your profits. They give me the go ahead. We lock it in. We do an international bankware to get them their funds. It's the same thing, the same exact process as a domestic U.S. client, just we can do it internationally. And for, and for a lot of countries, it's actually, you can't own metals in those countries, right? It's, it's not easy right. to do, but it is with a simple phone call to us and we can actually then store it here. Yeah, that's brilliant. And you, you mentioned it, the, the value added tax, you know, I... I sell courses and so forth to people overseas and I see them get hit with that value added tax, another 20%. I'm like, Oh my God. And like who, who gets the value out of that tax? The governments It's not the person that's actually getting that uh, tax, but that's the, you bring up a good point. Uh, they, they can't, there's what probably ways to um, avoid that tax. 
if you take delivery here in the U.S., I mean, if you if it's very profitable, your uh, the outcome of your investment, uh, it might be worth it to actually fly here in the U.S. and buy a home or whatever with your with your profit. So uh, I, I I don't know the the whole situation behind that. I'm sure your team could uh, could uh, help people out with that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, give us a call because everybody's different. Everybody has a different strategy. There's you, you can't take a cookie cutter approach to anybody because everybody's different. So, you know, a lot of times when we make these suggestions, it's a 30,000 foot view. But this is why we have free consultations with everybody. Some people have income needs. Some people have growth needs. Some people just want capital preservation. Some people have IRAs. Some people don't. Right. Everybody's different. And so take advantage of it. Free consultation. Free is free. We want to make sure that there's absolutely zero hurdles to you making the right decision, which is why myself and my team will take the time to ask you the questions, get you out of the path of this hurricane, strategically map out uh, a plan for moving forward to take advantage of these trends of our loss of freedom, which is sadly our trend, but take that to work to our advantage financially, because when that happens, there are certain markets that go up, certain markets that go down, and we will help you navigate through that to put a smile on your face in this world that we're living in right now. And I, I, I'm so, so happy that I invested because uh, I do have a smile. It's one thing that, I, that I, I've been able to count on. It's uh, actually grown in value uh, over, over the last uh, you know, year, year and a half that we've been together. So if, if someone's interested, the website is kirkelliotphd.com. Uh, the phone number is 720-605-3900. Tell them Michael Jaco sent you. And, uh, you know, your team is, like we keep talking about, I always love to look at your team because it's like, wow, look at this team growing. It's, growing. It's so such a successful business model. Uh, and that's that's what everybody should be looking at. So you mentioned it, the three things that people, uh, you know, want to hold uh, value in. Why? Growth, you know, income and security. So you have all those wrapped up potentially in just one basket. Uh, the I think I look back in uh, 20 years ago, uh, if you had invested in silver, you're up like over 400 percent. It's it's like I was like, why didn't I just do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you know what? There's but there's a time and a place for everything, and who knows why? But but yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't shed any tears over over that because what we have moving forward oh, is God. so big and it's so amazing. And and really that lost time is really not lost time. It was the identification of a trend. Yeah. Good point. And, and it's here in front of us that all that did was minimize your risk, but the return is still sky high through the roof. Yeah. That's beautiful. And uh great information as always. Uh I thank you. My audience thanks you. The people of the world, thank you. Uh, you're, you're a man of God. You're like, you know, you're focused and driven like I am. Uh, and you're, you're telling everybody as many people can listen, you know, to get into silver, it's going to be a, a great opportunity to move forward. It is. Well, I look forward to speaking with you next week. Have fun on the border. <laughs> and uh, I'll say how to buy him for you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and tell him I said, hi. <laughs> I will. Okay. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Until next time, stay in the love vibration as you continue your journey to become the master of your reality. Reality.